Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Buka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 74 of Fireside. Today on the podcast we're going to tell the beautiful love story of the Nightingale and the Rose. But first... I hope you're safe and sane wherever you are. This has got to be about the ninth or tenth episode we've recorded in isolation, in quarantine. I'm here in my home studio in Wicklow, still secluded and quarantined, although we're now into phase one here in Ireland, which is slowly phasing people back into normality. Although in typical Irish people fashion, now that the weather has got a little bit nicer, as soon as there's any kind of leeway, the streets, the beaches, the fields have been packed with people all over each other, which has been a very concerning and worrying sight. So I feel we may be clamping down again on restrictions before they ease any more. So who knows when we will be back in our beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network studio in Dublin. Soon, hopefully, but I, as always, am very grateful that I have the equipment here in Wicklow to continue writing, recording and releasing the podcast each and every week. If you are a first time listener, welcome along. If you're a continued listener, thank you so much for your continued support. If you do want to support the podcast, please do continue to download, subscribe um, and leave ratings and comments on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard, all one word. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast, where we have a, a growing community of loyal benefactors. I want to welcome our latest two patrons this week, uh, Libby Frizz and Sayla, who join uh, M from last week. M is still just the name that we have. But thank you so, so much for your contributions, your financial contributions to this podcast. If you uh, aren't in a position to support the podcast on Patreon, or even if you just don't want to, that is also totally okay. I do this podcast for free so that it can reach as wide an audience as possible. And I'm going to continue to do that regardless, but it is has been incredible, especially at this difficult time for us all, um, but certainly in, in the arts industry, <coughs> to be getting any kind of um, financial stipend from something I enjoy doing so much. So thank you so, so much to all our 
our devoted patron patrons. Actually, a special mention to Brian McGlynn as well, who was one of our, who has been a patron for a couple of months, but he just upped his um, he upped his monthly donation to um, a very generous amount for the month of June, and so thank you so so much, Brian, for that. I'm glad the podcast has been getting you is been making this a little bit easier and it's given you some enjoyment at this time and hope it continues to do so. So thank you to Brian, thank you to Libby and Sailor and to all our other patrons. So the story this week, we're going back to what I'm calling the wild cycle, which is my retellings of the fairy stories of Oscar Wilde from his story that from his book The Happy Prince and other stories. This is another story I was familiar with beforehand, less so than The Happy Prince itself. But still, I'd probably say this was the one I story I knew the next best. For obvious elements, there's elements of the story that would make you think that it is the same story, certainly a name or a theme, and that The Happy Prince is centres around uh, Swallow. And The Nightingale and The Rose centres around, shockingly enough, A Nightingale. But we'll chat a little bit more about the story afterwards, but I'll get right down to it. This is The Nightingale and the Rose on Fireside. The Nightingale and the Rose Few songs are as beautiful as that of the Nightingale. Were you to see one in a tree, you may pass it by. It has no remarkable colour or plumage but its song is unforgettable. For the nightingale sings of love. And in a tall oak tree there nested a nightingale who valued love more than any other bird on this earth. Night after night this nightingale flittered around singing her glorious song of Eros, Cupid and Engus Og. The nightingale knew that human beings had taken love to new heights and lows, and her dream was to witness the love she sang of in the flesh, and she found it right under her own beak. The old oak tree rooted in the garden of a student at the local university. From his window wafted the unmistakable scent of fresh paper and cracked spines, but certainly never the scent of love, whatever that is. The student had spent the past four years learning all he could about the worlds of philosophy, of logic and reason. He felt he knew all there was to know, theoretically at least. But then came a night when the nightingale saw the student lean wistfully out his garden window. Oh, sighed the student, and the nightingale knew at once this was a sigh of love. She listened intently to what the student may say next. Oh, for a red rose, cried the student. My love has asked for a red rose. If I had one to give her, she would be mine. The nightingale became greatly excited. The student went on. The prince is hosting a ball tomorrow night, and my love will be in attendance. There will be plenty of young men there more eligible than I, but if I had but one red rose, she would dance with me, and I would feel the weight of her head on my shoulder. Then give her the rose, cried the nightingale. But the student did not hear her. 
nor would he have understood her. I have learned all there is to learn from books, but materially what have I to show for it? Nothing, not even a red rose. My mind is a beautiful garden, full of nature's delights, but my physical garden is barren. I have no rose, so tomorrow my love will pass by me and will dance with somebody else. She'll fall in love with them, and that will be that, and I will be left in the lonely company of my books. Oh, well. The nightingale could bear no more. She turned to the old oak tree and said, This is what I've been waiting for. Now here is one who is in love. I thought he was just an academic, with too much consideration for his head, and not at all enough for his heart. But now he has discovered the keen sting. I will find the student a red rose, and will finally be a part of the divine love between two humans. So the nightingale took flight in search of a red rose. She flew through neighbouring gardens and parks in search of any rose bush. When she finally spotted one, she dove down and asked the bush, I need a red rose. It's for true love. Give it to me and I will sing you the sweetest song. But the rose bush shook its head, or shook itself. My roses are white much less basic and showy than the traditional red. My roses cry class, and will beautifully adorn any garment. But if you must have a crass, crude red rose, I have a brother over by the sundial. He may be able to help you. The nightingale took directions from the rose bush. She never thought she would do that, and flew in search of her brother. From family resemblance, she spotted the prickly sibling by the sundial. If you can give me a red rose, began the nightingale, I will sing you the sweetest song. Would that I could, said the rose bush, but my roses are yellow. I am the underappreciated, unsung hero of the rose world. Not basic and flashy like red or pompous and pretentious like white. I represent warmth, joy and friendship. I need a rose for true love, said the nightingale. Oh, then you probably should stick with the red. I have a cousin who was planted beneath the student's window by an oak tree who grows red roses. The nightingale felt stupid for having searched all day for a rose when there there was a rose bush in her very garden. But her joy in the pursuit of true love overpowered this, and she flew back home to the garden, to the bush beneath the window. Please, oh please, give me a red rose, cried the nightingale. I will sing for you the sweetest song I have ever sung. The bush sighed as it shook its branches. I grow red roses, classic, romantic, the very symbol of a loving gesture. But it is winter time, and I will grow no roses until spring. Oh no, there must be some way for you to grow a red rose. I must give one to the student so that he may win the heart of his love. There is one way, the bush paused, but it comes at a terrible price. 
No cost is too much, cried the nightingale. I have dedicated my life to singing songs of love. Now I have the opportunity to at last be a participant. What must I do? The rosebush said, If you pierce your heart against my thorns and sing to me for an entire night, I will grow a single red rose. That is indeed a high price. Death for a single rose. But true love is more important than the life of a nightingale. So the little bird took one last flight around her beloved garden. She saw the student once more leaning out his window, head in his hands, tears streaming down his face. The bird flew to the man and said, Do not cry. Soon you shall have the most beautiful red rose that has grown in any garden in the world. This is my gift, true love. My gift to you. But of course the student didn't understand the nightingale, because he only understood things written down in books. But the old oak tree, where the nightingale had lived her entire life, understood. The oak tree was deeply saddened that the beautiful little bird was giving up her life for this weeping student. The tree asked, Little nightingale, can you please sing for me one last time? It is your song I will miss forevermore. So the nightingale perched on the oaken tree branch until nightfall, singing the tree's favourite songs. The student below noted the singing. He was impressed by the quality, but regretted that there was no substance to it. That bird is much like many artists, he said. All style and no meaning. What a shame to be able to produce such a beautiful sound and not to be able to do anything of worth with it. When the full moon of midnight was high in the sky, the time had come. The nightingale flew down to the rose bush. She positioned her breast against the sharpest of the thorns. She pressed her chest hard against the thorn and recoiled with the pain. Then she braced herself and slowly leaned in and began to sing. All night the nightingale sang of love, of its beginnings, its blossoms, wiltings and deaths, of the love between a mother and child, between brothers, and of course, rarest of all, the undying love that two strangers are capable of having for each other. A love that defines gender, race, social standing, a love that can be perfected by death and does not die in the tomb. With each song a petal grew from the rose bush, until a large voluptuous bulb had blossomed. But the darkest of night was over, and the sun was on its way. The nightingale was in agony from the pain, and exhausted from singing, but the oak tree called to her, Keep singing, morning is nearly here, and the rose is not yet blossomed. And when the petals were full, the rose remained white. The oak called, You must lean harder. The thorn must pierce your heart. For only the lifeblood of a nightingale can crimson a rose. The tiny songbird leaned in as hard as she could, and then she felt an instant euphoric stab that sent a shock to the tips of her feathers. And the nightingale fell, dead. But left behind her, was a blood-red rose. 
When the student awoke, he looked out his window and saw the rose. Oh, what luck is this, he cried, that a rose should be by my window. If I believed in such silliness, I would say that this was meant to be. But what an astonishing coincidence. The student cut the rose, wrapped it, and went to the house of his professor, the daughter of whom was his lady love. The girl answered the door, and the student presented her with the rose. You said you would dance with whoever gave you a red rose. Here is the reddest that has ever blossomed on this earth. Tonight we will dance, and we will fall in love. But the girl was suitably nonplussed. The Chamberlain's son has already sent me a gorgeous jewel necklace. That's worth far more than a silly old flower. That colour wouldn't even go with my dress. The student was gobsmacked. God, you're awfully ungrateful. A right spoiled brat. Spoiled brat? Well, you're the rudest man I've ever met. And who are you? Just a penniless student. What could you ever provide for me? The girl slammed the door in the student's face, and the student stormed off home. What a stupid waste of time love is, he declared. It has no logic, no reason. It makes us believe false realities and in fairy tale endings. I'm going home to study something real, something rational. So the student went home and cracked open a big book of metaphysics and began to study remaining as unaware as ever of the dead nightingale outside his window. The End And that was the story of the nightingale and the rose on Fireside. Bit sad, isn't it? It is a very sad tale. And rereading these wild stories and adapting them myself... There's definitely a through line or common themes throughout them. And a huge amount of it seems to be selfishness is a a huge element in all of these stories. In, In The Happy Prince, you have that The Happy Prince in life was selfish and unaware of the suffering in the world. And so wanted to donate all of the jewels on his statue and the the gold that was on his body and wanted that to be given out and here you have a kind of the double selfishness of the girl who is given the rose and then the student himself being angry then at everything not working out as instantly as you can and Wilde was quite known for as a lover of art for art's sake so that his uh, two favorite subjects were art and aesthetics and that he was a part of the aestheticism movement and so here you have a story about a student kind of wild critique on the people who study all day and all night and then don't actually go out there and live life and yet here we have a story where of a student who has done all that but has fallen in love and fallen in this this surface superficial love that he thinks she's asked for a, a rose 
and I'll give her the rose and then she'll fall in love with me, as is still a common thing to this day without any consideration of, well, what's this girl going to do for you, you know, to be a level playing field. But we have the student bring the rose at the the terrible cost of this poor nightingale. The nightingale is... It's a fascinating character in that she... And the, obviously that's the real tragedy of it, isn't that the two people don't fall in love. It's how blissfully unaware the student is of the powers that were going on in that this little bird had died to produce this red rose because she believed in true love, even when the student did not. And maybe that's... Yeah, it's, I'm not being very articulate now because it is a story that gets you thinking a little bit. I'd be interested to hear what any of you made of it. As I said with the the Happy Prince, these stories, particularly the wild stories, you know, I'm not going to be able to write in any way as good as, as he did, but it feels like the right thing that I've adapted every other story on the podcast that this should be, that I should adapt these as well. So please, by all means, do go and read these beautiful, beautiful stories. But it feels right to be telling them through my voice, to be rewriting them, even if I'm not changing very many elements or putting not much of a stamp on them. It definitely at least feels like they are in my voice, even though I'm really finding that Wild is coming through because... I am a huge fan of Oscar Wilde, so when you're in his domain, you can't help but kind of feel him with you, you know, in not just his language, but in his characters. Particularly the student. The student is a very Wildean character, listlessly and wistfully staring out the the window and lamenting his love. There's there's a there's always a prodding of fun and there's kind of a buffoonery to to wild wildian characters that yet he always maintains a great sympathy for because that's what you get in a lot of wild's plays as well it's like yes these p- people are daft and silly and stupid but they still deserve our empathy and that's why he's such a great writer of comedy particularly but yeah it is uh <laughs> there's no doubt it's a it's a it's kind of a satirical kind of a bitter end to it and it ends that abruptly in in Wilde's version as well that he just says right well that's enough of that I suppose that's if there was a lesson to be taken from it it's that you know yes like my probably my favourite poem or one of my favourite poems Certainly the first poem I ever really loved is Raglan Road by Patrick Kavner, which has possibly my favourite line in anything, um, which is, I loved too much and by such and such is happiness thrown away. Um, which, and again, it's basically the point of Raglan Road is it's about knowing the dangers of falling in love and doing it anyway. And I suppose here we have someone knowing the dangers of falling in love and it not going to plan and then rejecting it entirely that can always be the temptation 
yeah, that's what happens. That's what happens to us when we, when we fall in love and it doesn't work out when we're rejected or when we break up or we have a falling out. We blame love. We don't blame each other. We blame the concept of it entirely and we reject it until it inevitably comes back or I suppose sometimes doesn't come back with people. So we have the rejection of... So maybe that's what Wilde was pointing out that like no matter how many no matter how much love there is in the world or like efforts to produce love and that like no matter how many nightingales there are who die and suffer so that we may love that human beings will always reject that yeah it's a lot there's a lot in here that's brilliant thing about fairy stories particularly fairy stories written by writers as good as wild that in their simplicity you know there's a story about a bird bird piercing her chest on a flower and a student given a rose and being rejected there's very simple beats to this story wise but each each moment is quite loaded and kind of makes you think a lot <clears throat> but I'm going to wrap things up there now I hope you enjoyed the story of the nightingale and the rose and I hope it gave you a few minutes release relief wherever you are when you listen to it and yeah, I hope that if you're someone who maybe is only starting to listen to the podcast now and by the time you get to this episode, we are long past this and we're all back to normal in each other's lives. I long for it and I look forward to it. So thank you so much to um, Jamie, my producer, for continuing to edit this podcast. Thank you to Alan Paddy at Headstuff for continuing to put it out. Most importantly, thank you to all of you, the listeners. Next week, we'll be going back to another Wicklow folktale. And I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.